0: Hey guys, what's up? I'm Tyler Hosley, and Savage Garden is the best band of the 90s. One of the best bands of the 90s. Not the best,
1: just one of I'm Dave Gray, and this week I learned Tyler's insane.
2: (laughs) I'm Kevin Matthews, and this week I learned I am sometimes in complete agreement with Dave. (laughs) And this is Raiders of the Podcast. (sighs) Yay!
1: And now we're amateur psychiatrists as well.
2: Yes. I'm still sort of knee deep in Christmas movies at this time of year So I've watched quite a lot of stuff that I'm not going to mention But highlights include, um, there was a, a film called Breathing Happy It's a, a drama written by, directed by, starring uh, Shane Brady and he does a really good job it's a tale of uh, someone really trying to stay sober to mark their, their one year clean basically on christmas eve going to christmas and explores their memories and snapshots of moments in their life like it's it's really good it was part of the soul home horror festival last week so ho ho Oh, I missed
1: all of those.
2: I was so busy. There were only only three features this time. Um, well, I say only, you know, it's a free festival. It's kind of a pay what you can. So I I don't mean it in that respect, but it was the one day you had three features. You had some great shorts. Um, but breathing happy was the, the absolute highlight. There was also the Christmas horror anthology, the Christmas tapes, which has a role in there for Greg Sestero So that's uh, Something to warn you about But it was actually A decent Little horror anthology Nothing was great But nothing was Truly stinky either So I, I Quite enjoyed that And the day ended with Amitville Christmas Vacation Wait which what? a I'm at full Christmas vacation. Okay. So, it's like a 45-50 minute film from Steve Rudzinski, and Steve Rudzinski is the guy that I've already made you endure with, um, a meowy Halloween. Oh. Or a very meowy Christmas, or whatever one of those. Yeah. I just watch, but he did Carousel, and he's done some other movies that I've kind of enjoyed. Um so this one mocks the general idea of the long running use of the ample name. Has obviously some Christmas vacation references in there, some home alone references. I really like Steve Rudzinski in that, you know, I love a lot of bad jokes and I love movie references just piled in there if that is the way a film's gonna be. But I do think that by now he should have stepped things up a bit like he seems to have got himself to whatever level he's at which he still does better than me because he gets his movies done, gets his movies out there but um, he doesn't seem to sort of go beyond that in terms of the kind of slapdash nature of his films and also his mugging acting style so basically that wasn't as good as I hoped it would be and I doubt many people are, are sitting there hoping it would be good like I was but there you go but yeah um, whenever you notice that about Dave, Breathing Happy is the one that I recommend from that day
1: i Blocked out, meowie Halloween. (laughs) Well. I'd totally forgotten it existed. Thank you so, like the memories are just coming back.
2: There are so many still to choose from, Dave, so don't worry about it. I also, I watched the animated Scrooge that is now on Netflix. It's really bad. It is, I mean, it's been a while since I watched this, the weird, um, motion capture Jim Carrey one, but this might be worse than that one. It's just so dull. There are a few songs that aren't enjoyable. The animation style didn't work for me. Um, have either of you guys seen that one? Have you been forced to watch it, Dave? No, <laughs> no. No. I I don't think it's anything that Tyler would rush to watch personally.
0: No, I have not seen that one. No.
2: Like, it's, it's just bad. Like, it's really, like, it feels lazy. And as I always say, I mean, as I said with that, uh, I think, was it Bob Zemeckis, the, the, the Jim Carrey one? Yeah. Yeah. Um, I think I said when I was talking about that one, like, A Christmas Carol. Like, as a concept, for any adaptation you're doing, you've got plus points in the bank already. It's a a great tale. It's a classic enduring tale for good reason. So you have to kind of work extra hard, even if you just end up making that mediocre. And this one, I'm not even sure I'd rank it as mediocre. It It was poor. And there are times in it where it, it, it's almost like they don't even take uh, the best bits from the story. Some of the best language that's in there. The the moments that you know, maybe they were trying to aim for, you know, we've got to be different from other adaptations of A Christmas Carol and we've got to do things this way. But if you're taking that far a step sideways, try and just completely rework it instead of keeping it within the traditional framework. And then not really giving us the the Christmassy Dickensian equivalent of the money shots. Which is a phrase I never thought I'd use when we started talking this evening. Uh, speaking of Christmassy money shots, though, I also watched Violent Night. and Violent Night is an absolute blast. I think you enjoyed it, didn't you, Dave? Yes. Tyler, have you seen it yet?
0: I have not. I'm looking forward to that one, though. It looks good.
2: You've seen the trailer? Oh, yeah. You know the gist of it, yeah. Uh, don't spoil yeah. don't worry, don't worry, don't worry, anything, but if you've seen the trailer, you know that they're pitching it as kind of diehard with Santa and the role. But I have to admit, I was a little bit unsure of the film in the earlier scenes. And I, I didn't think I was going to enjoy it if they were going to be a bit coy or if they were trying to mix in too many different elements. And it gets to a point, I'm going to say about 20 minutes in, I think it's just under two hours an hour 50 minutes or more So about 20 minutes in It gets to a point where They're really just not messing about And they kind of turn to viewers And are like Oh yeah, this is just going to be Die hard with Santa And then I was like That's fine They know, we know They don't care that everyone knows And they've got to make sure To keep reminding you of that But in a way that's really fun Uh, I It was way better than I expected it to be. Um, The violence was great. (laughs) There was a moment that was really wince-inducing and made me laugh a lot. Um, And I think the Christmassy magic side of things was uh, really well incorporated as well. And every few minutes to be reminded that it's Die Hard with the Santa. Was just it was the Christmas cracker I didn't know I needed. Yeah, uh, I I can see myself rewatching that on a on a regular basis at this time of year. That's me.
1: I uh, well, I watch Lord of the Rings, Fellowship of the Ring, because you know I live with a small child who's never seen them, so we did that. <laughs> I uh. I love Lord of the Rings. I like the movies a lot. I love the books. I don't get why anybody, you know, I understand why they cut Tom Bombadil. I said it. Come at me. Um. You know, it's a fucking classic. And it's an old classic now, which made me feel terrible. But the effects still hold up for the most part. I mean, the makeup is just amazing. Most of the CG is, is great still, but CG's bar has not gotten much higher after this movie, so, you know, it's Lord of the Rings. You know, I can't wait to watch the next two. I watched um, See How They Run, because you know me, I, I love a good comedy and a good mystery, and this is uh, neither. The cast does as well as they can with it. Especially, um, oh crap! Uh, Suarez, Ronan, and Sam Rockwell—they both have the most thankless roles, and their character. Like the problem is, none of the characters have any personality, and eighty percent of them are real people, so you kind of know who the killer is immediately because they're the only fictional person, except for one other. So, you know, it just, it just doesn't land. Like, you can do funny mysteries. There's quite a few out there. But this isn't a good comedy, and it's not a good mystery, and it's just kind of there, and I have no problem with blind casting generally. But when your movie's set in the 50s, and there's no mention of it, it's just weird to me because You know, the 50s were racist as fuck, and even though this takes place in England, England is still racist as fuck. I'm sorry, it is. So, you know, I mean, if you're going to do that, awesome, but, like, incorporate it some way. (sighs) Whatever. Because, like, it doesn't make sense for the characters they did it for, especially because one of them was a real person, but whatever if it was like a modern film i wouldn't even have thought twice about it but when you do it in a period piece i always kind of go well yeah but now you're in reality so now discuss this if it was a fantasy or like bridgerton's i I wouldn't have thought twice about it but whatever i i'm digressing uh adrian brody is the only person with any kind of personality in it and he's dead I mean, that's not like a spoiler. He dies in the first five minutes. He tells you he's going to die. So he's dead through the whole movie, and we are stuck with the most tediously generic characters, Uh people doing the worst impressions of real people. It was atrocious. Like, everybody involved in this should be ashamed. I don't know why their agents hate them. I, I don't know if, like, they did a bait-and-switch, like, if there was a great screenplay and they just, like, threw it away halfway through, but this movie sucks. And it's a shame. It's a shame because the cast is trying so very, very hard. I said something nice about Adrian Brody. You know how fucking hard that is? For me? Personally? He's awful. But he, he was the best part of that. Uh, and I, I got some Christmas movies done. I watched Deadly Game. A.K.A. Dialed Code Santa, Game Over, Hide and Freak, and 3615 Code Father Christmas. Well, I mean, Pierre Noel, because it's French. And, you know, it's uh Home Alone, but better. Because, I'm sorry, I am not a fan of Home Alone. I I just, you know, let's kill one of the wet bandits. That's what Home Alone needed to do, and that's what this movie does. I, I enjoyed it. The-, the kid was actually more realistic than Kevin McAllister. Uh, apparently, you know, it wasn't allowed in the States for years and years and years because the filmmaker threatened to sue uh, the studio o- over um, Home Alone. So it got buried until uh, Alamo dug it up and turned it into a cult thing and it's fun. Go watch it. Yay. Uh tragically, <laughs> the violence guide for it on on IMDb is far from complete and I had some surprises while watching it with a, a child. Yeah, that was that was not mild moderate violence, guys. Don't like if you're going to fill it out, fill the whole fucking thing out, guys. Shit. And, uh, to finish it off, I saw 8-Bit Christmas, which is kinda like a Christmas story in the 1980s, but with a Nintendo instead of a, um, a Red Rider BB gun, and it's, like, it's, it's okay. It, it doesn't quite land, but most of the cast does a pretty decent job. I, I think the real problem is they hired, uh, Neil Patrick Harris to be the, the narrator, and, um. I don't know, I just, I don't think he fits It's just He doesn't, like, really bring anything to it He's just doing his normal Neil Patrick Harris thing, and I don't know, it's It's just off, tonally If that makes sense Did you see this one, Kevin?
2: I have not seen that one yet it was right. on the list, but the list has filled up uh, <laughs> even quicker than expected this year.
1: Right. Yeah, I was just it, it, like, I'm not saying it's bad. It's just like it should be better. Yeah, like Steve Zahn is, is fine as the dad, and um, Winslow Figgy as the young version of Neil Patrick Harris's character. I really like June Diane Raphael when she shows up and stuff and, and she's the mom in this and she's fine. I mean, the, the problem is like everybody's underused except Neil Patrick Harris who talks endlessly, but he's not as, um, charming or witty as Gene Shepard. Now, to be fair, that's not his fault. He's, you know, reading the script that was given him, but you know, it just, it doesn't, it doesn't land where it wants to be, and it's, it's fine. If you've got HBO Max and you just, you wanna watch a kid's holiday movie. Killa loved it, so, you know, I watched it twice. It, it could be worse, but now I've gotta build her a fucking tree house. So, you know. Yay, yeah, I don't even have any fucking trees in my yard. <sighs> Yay. Anyway, that was me.
0: I watched Deep Star 6 again, which is a movie we covered on here last year. I think the underwater special was last year, if I'm correct. Um, but yeah, I love that movie. I think it's fantastic. It's one of my all-time favorites. And besides that, I was listening to a an interview with Jamie Kennedy, and he was talking about how Son of the Mask got cut off by the studio and was originally like R-rated. And I don't know if I believe it, but he that's what he said. So, I pulled out some of the Mask, which I haven't seen since 2004 in theaters. That was the last time I watched that movie. I don't remember anything about it. Uh, that movie's terrible. There's nothing redeeming in that movie at all. It's, the CGI is terrible. The cast is terrible. Uh, it's, I will say this, it's overly fucking wacky to the point that I'm surprised it even got made. I mean, it's just off the wall nuts. And, I would say the only saving grace is probably Alan Cumming. He was actually pretty funny in it, but the movie is a mess and I don't know how that movie got cut down to a PG. That's just, it's, it's the reason why I don't believe that it was an R-rated movie that the studio cut because it's so kiddified and goofy that I just can't see an R-rated cut of Son of the Mask existing anywhere in this world. So, uh, yeah. But, Besides that, i still binge-watching Yellowstone. I'm on Season 5, Episode 5. Love it. Fantastic show. And uh, that's me. This week, we watched...
1: the 2017 American comedy-drama by uh, Dave McCary in his directorial debut, Brigsby Bear, and... The 1988 American teen sci-fi comedy written and directed by Avery Krauss The Invisible Kid. Uh, both of these picks were Kevin's picks, so I'm going to ask Tyler to pick a movie and tell us about it.
0: I'm going to go with Invisible Kid, and I'm going to read the IMDb plot summary because it's wonderful. Uh, a nerdy teenage scientist discovers a formula for invisibility and uses it to take revenge on all those who wronged him. And also, just spy on the girls locker room. That's actually the IMDb plot summary for that. Which is not, it's accurate, so that's awesome. Uh, so I rented this movie at a mom and pop video store in the 90s when I was a kid. I had to be like 7 years old at the time, I think. Uh, but during the late 90s, there was like, A slew of terrible, invisible movies at this shop. They had Invisible Dad, which also had Karen Black in it, if I remember. Mom's Out of Sight, which I think Fred Olin Ray directed. I mean, they're both fucking awful movies. But I rented all of these. And the only one I could remember was this one, Invisible Kid. For one reason. It was PG-rated, and it had tits in it. Which left an imprint on my seven year old brain at the time because PG rated movies when I was growing up didn't have tits in them. So that's the main reason why I remembered this movie. But yeah, that's really the only good thing about this movie. This is bad. Uh, besides Karen Black, who is fine in it, I guess. I mean, she's okay, but the cast is overall pretty terrible. Um, the lead is his name. His name's Jay Underwood, right? Yeah, he's, he's yeah. just J- yeah. Jay Underwood was in. Everything in the 80s? Uh Uh-huh. Yeah, he's he's bad in this. Just blah. Uh, There's like a mobster gambling on a high school basketball game subplot in the final act that's so out of place in this movie that it's kind of fucking hilarious and almost saves it. Almost. Uh, Most of the humor kind of falls flat for me for the most part. I saw a couple people saying it's like a satire on something like Weird Science, which sure... If riding the coattails of something like Weird Science is considered satire, maybe it is, but I could be wrong. For me, though, it's just a super forgettable 80s teen comedy that has the invisible gimmick in it. It's kind of on the same level as something like Vamp, which we covered. It's got some fun 80s charm in it, but it's forgettable for the most part. I I, I wasn't a big fan of this one.
1: Yeah, what to say about this. I also rented this as a child. Uh, I wasn't. It wasn't the 90s. It was, you know, the 80s. We in it on VHS from the little mom and pop video store that was a, uh, you know, right in my neighborhood, right in the development, right at the bottom of the hill. They had this little uh, three-unit shopping center with the video store that's now a, a nails place. I didn't know there was boobs in it. We were in it with my friend Ryan Fisher. Hi, Ryan. We watched it in his family room, and uh, the moment they walked into the locker room, uh, I've never seen anybody freak out so hard in my life. So you know that was hilarious. That, like that—that's—that's that's all I remember. It's the first video I ever—it's the first video I ever rented with—with with tits in it. I—I uh, I saw like all the eighty slasher movies at that point with my other friend's brother. Who owned them, so I didn't rent them. But still, uh, you know, so that, that's a lingering memory. Uh, and Jay Underwood was in some movies I, I enjoyed in the 80s that I remember enjoying and I haven't seen in 40 years, so and I remember liking Not Quite Human and The Boy Who Could Fly. I know these mean nothing to either of you or anyone else listening, except if you had the Disney Channel in the 80s. Then they played them every weekend, so. Other people might have nostalgia for them. I might make you guys watch one of them next year. I haven't thought that far in advance yet. Uh, but this is, uh, man, there are some 80s tropes I just, I just cannot hang with. And this is, this has all of them. The casual rape jokes. Yay. Icky parents uh, relying on some horror. See, the thing is, it's not that this is a satire of anything. It's just this has taken things from satires and did them shitty. Like, it took the televangelist from Repo Man, uh, which is great. That's a great satirical point with his parents. And they made it a like the worst TV call-in show ever on local access. I mean Karen Black tries, but she's not given anything to work with. Um I have nothing against Jay Underwood in this part, unlike Tyler does. I, I think he's perfectly he's fine. Is he great? No. But did they give him a funny script? No. China Phillips is fine. She's cute enough. Uh the guy that plays his buddy is standard evil 80s creepy I mean you know it's just it's just kind of there I didn't I didn't hate it and somebody told me there was an after credit scene so I, I stuck it through to the end and that wasn't worth it that wasn't worth it at all you know I, did, I didn't hate it I didn't I didn't like it don't get me wrong but like if if you really need like a nostalgia jag on some Jay Underwood, I I guess I guess there's worse. No, there really is. I mean, like it, the Fantastic Four is better. Go go watch him in Corman's Fantastic Four. I, I actually kinda love that one. He's still the best Johnny Storm, I said it. Hashtag sorry not sorry.
2: Yeah. I can't believe I said that. I didn't mind this. It's not great. It's a film I hadn't watched since VHS days as well although I do own it and it's the first film and I think the only film that I ever bought from eBay without realising it was I think you call it a grey disc is that a term? Which is sure. basically just just a copy disc, an unofficial uh, bootleg little slip. Uh Yeah, it's it's hidden away on my shelves, but I still ended up just looking online for the copy to watch because I didn't want really to rearrange everything just to find it. It's it's all right though. It is what it is. Like if you are a teen and you could get invisibility, that's a superpower we'd all want as a teenage boy, I reckon. And and we would absolutely misuse that power and not be responsible with it. So it taps into that. It doesn't really have enough fun with it. Um, I I agree with it was Tyler that said about that subplot. that just doesn't. It just seems too out of place. It's just odd. And then the whole thing of kind of bringing in. The, the big main rival slash potential bad guy and everyone working together isn't, isn't good. I think Underwood's fine in the lead role. His mate, I forgot, is played by, it's someone who's now called Wallace Langham. He was then called Wally Ward and he will be familiar to CSI fans because he is CSI lab guy. I, I don't know the rest of his name, but he's CSI lab guy. And um, I, f- I think a couple of the seasons of of CSI colon location, whatever ones he was in, he's there. Did no, you watch CSI, Dave? Uh, no, CSI is not my kind of
1: thing. I'm I've seen it. I know who he is in it because of other people. Mm. He's, uh, David Hodges. Alright, oh, okay. But, uh, mostly I know him from, uh, he's on Apple's All Mankind. He's a uh, recurring in the, I think in the first season.
2: Alright. Oh, like, he's, he's done a fair bit nowadays. I'm sure he, uh, he probably doesn't bring this up much in conversation. <laughs> yeah, well, yo, know, when I was, when I was younger it was all about the invisible kid for me. Um You also get I mean the, the on screen preacher, that's um that's someone quite famous for that for their shtick, isn't it? Was it Brother Theodore or Father Theodore?
1: It is Brother Theodore, yes. Who it's, uh it's was a German comedian, did stream conscious uh monologues. Like he's funny. Not in this, but he is funny. <laughs> yeah.
2: I've seen clips of him on, uh, some American chat shows. Like it's almost as if they would plan to just drop him in the middle of the guest, <laughs> like this weird serial comic bomb in the middle, uh, which is, which is quite funny. And then he was in the burbs as well. I remember his appearance there, but I knew he was. He's someone that I've seen and I've always thought he was sort of quite well known at a certain time in America for a while, know He wasn't really, I don't think, much of a a big name over here in the UK.
1: Do you, so do that's, you know what? Hold on. I hate to interject, but do you know what he what? was in uh, that ties into an earlier film I mentioned? He voices Gollum in the 80s Hobbit
2: cartoons. Oh, does he? Oh, yeah. and the, um, and the rotoscoped?
1: Yeah, film. no, no, not, not the rotoscoped one, the, the ones that came, uh, after, the, um, not the uh, Bashi film, but the, uh, uh, Topcraft ones by, uh, Rankin and Bass. Ah. Uh, that means right. nothing to you. It was on TV all the time here, so.
2: No, well, I am aware of them nowadays, but I don't think I've ever given them a watch.
1: Well, there's Frodo of the nine fingers in the ring of doom, and they sing it, and I won't sing it, because, I I like you guys too much to pop your eardrums.
2: Fair enough. Who knows? Might get picked for a special one time, especially if you can hurt all of us. Um, yeah, it's it's not great, but I think there are separate moments that are okay. Like I I think the whole quest for the right recipe is quite good for the formula. I like that the invisible special effects, using the term loosely, is um you know, is is them trying to to work with what they've got. So there are some moments where that's okay. And I know this isn't anything really worth mentioning, but I still laugh at the random moment a nun trying to cross the street with a box of kittens. Well, there's, well, there's a mad, slight car chase moment with a cop and the main kids in it.
1: You haven't note about the dead kittens.
2: <laughs> What's you know?
1: No, I just. Oh, look, they killed those kittens. But then they're like, no, they're not dead. Here's yeah, some roadrunner they're... bullshit.
2: Um, it's. It's just really silly, but it's as if Avery Crown's like, I don't know if he was trying to just mix in a bit of everything or if he actually thought that was all a good mix. But it's, it's not like it never, never leans enough into, into one of them. It's not the teen comedy drama. Because, you know, you don't really feel any, any stakes. Not really. You know how things are going to pan out. It, it doesn't have, I would say, the resources to do enough with the invisibility tricks. Um, and it's, it's just, yeah, I mean, it's just awkwardly doing a little bit of everything. Although if I remember, it, I did like the fact that um, doesn't it open with the Swan Lake music?
1: It does. He's he's pretending to be smart and listening to Tchaikovsky.
0: Yeah,
2: which which I like is a, a little nod to the uh, you know the classic Universal horrors, which I probably wouldn't have picked up on when I first watched this as a team, because much like Tyler, I was probably just like, oh. Someone's gotta be looking at bibs at some point.
1: Here's, here's a question. Why does he keep saying, I'm laughing? I'm laughing! And what the fuck is that? Is that some reference I don't fucking know? Cause I'm too young to get it? It's like the only time I've ever been too young to get something. That's weird.
0: No, but it that annoyed the shit out of me throughout the entire movie. I, I didn't know what that meant either. I yeah. thought I was missing something. It's like
1: every other fucking scene. I'm laughing. What the fuck? Do you, are you trying to establish a fucking catchphrase? Fuck you, Jay Underwood.
2: Yeah, I man, I think that was it. I think we we're just, uh, obviously thinking that would be his thing for the movie.
1: Like he leaves the frame and comes back in just so the last line before the credits is, I'm laughing. It's like, what the, who the fuck thought that was a good idea? I'm sorry, I, I know I digress, it's just I thought of it, and it just, annoyed the shit out of me. No, it annoyed the shit out of me
2: too.
0: <laughs> no, it, it annoyed the hell out of me too.
2: Uh, that was me anyway, so as I picked, uh, Bringsby no, Be Bear as yeah, well, I got, I'll hand that to you, Dave.
1: Uh, Grigby Bear, directed by Dave McCary, who, uh, is not just married to Emma Stone, he directed the first Two seasons of the web series Epic Rap Battles of History, which that's some fun shit. Written by Kevin Costello and Kyle Mooney. Uh, Kyle Mooney also stars in it. He was a writer on Saturday Night Live for like a decade. And I, I don't know if it got canceled, but, uh, he was doing a Saturday morning send up show on Netflix, which was really I, I watched an episode, I didn't fucking get it. Because <laughs> I didn't fucking get it. Uh, it also has Claire Danes, Mark Hamill, Greg Kinnear, and Andy Samberg. When... <sighs> poor James is forced to live in an underground bunker with his parents, Ted and April Mitchum. James's only outside link is... An educational children's show titled Brigsby Bear. One day, uh, night, sorry, sneaking outside, he sees flashing lights approaching. And next thing he knows, he learns he was abducted 35 years ago. I actually think he's supposed to be younger than them. I think he's like supposed to be 25, but the actor's like 35. So whatever. 35 years ago, he was abducted. And, uh, that's why they've been living in a bunker with a weird fake destroyed outside thing story he was raised with. Well, James is brought to, to live with his real parents, their teenage daughter, and forced to see Emily, the worst psychologist ever to graduate any program. He also makes friends with uh, Detective Vogel and Spencer, a wannabe film student. In order to find his way through his new situation, James decides to make a feature film that will bring the adventures of his childhood hero, Brigsby Bear, to a close. I adored the shit out of this movie. Like, I had no idea what I was getting into going in, so, you know, all of it was... I mean, except the party scene where it's kinda of creepy for a, a second. I, I enjoyed the crap out of this. Uh, I think the cast is really good overall. Uh, the Brigsby Bear stuff was <laughs> fascinatingly weird. Uh, I just, I thought it was, it was a solid ride, man. Uh, it was well made. Uh, the characters all, I mean, yeah, it's, it's weird. It's crazy. It's an insane situation, but it's got a very honest heart throughout like at no point did james is a totally unrelatable character but at no point does he feel alien i i mean uh they did an excellent job writing and acting him uh the the girl that plays the sister is really good kid that plays spence is is good mark hamill's always great uh, both the parents are in a ton of stuff. They're a lot of fun. Andy Sandberg is there for a scene or two. Yeah, I, I really enjoyed this. Uh, it, it kind of touched a, a lot of things I've said I, I like before, like the whole, uh, can do it spirit and the, Hey gang, let's go put on a show, but the, finding his, James finding his way to, to communicate with the world and to, you know, process his feelings, I think it was, it was really, really good. Like, unexpectedly good. I, I, like, I expected this to be what Tyler's going to say it was, because I'm 98% sure Tyler hated this. 98% sure Tyler hated this. I adored it. It's well made, good cast, solid script. Uh yeah, no, this 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 is a good one. Something to something almost totally unique. I'm sure there's something else like it out there that I'm just not thinking of off the top of my head, but No, I dug the shit out of this.
0: To be honest, I don't really know what I think about this movie. Uh I don't like it, but There's things I do like in it. I think the cast is really good. Kyle Mooney is really good. Mark Hamill is great. Greg Kinnear, Claire Danes. This whole cast is solid. I don't have a single issue with anybody in this cast. Tonally, I think this movie is a fucking mess, though. Like, it never really sticks with what kind of movie it truly wants to be. I appreciate the weirdness of it all, and it is weird. and It goes for the weirdness, and I do appreciate that. But it's overly quirky one second, and sentimental as fuck the next. I mean, the quirk almost goes into that Wes Anderson territory a little bit, which, as you know, I'm not a big fan of. Also kind of felt like it would fit inside the world of Kimmy Schmidt, which I don't know if you guys have seen that show. Um, yeah, but I have notes referencing that. <laughs> yeah, uh, I hate that show. So, yeah, I just, that's not a good thing for me either. Um it's just one of those movies that attempts to pluck your heartstrings, which is, which is fine. I like stuff like that. But for me, it just never really works because the tone is just so bipolar. If, if, if you want to be a serious movie about trauma, go for it. If you want to be a quirky, dark comedy, just run with that shit. Just don't hop around tones. Just stick to a fucking landing. Uh, Filmmaking wise, I don't really have an issue with it. I, it looks good. It's well shot. The pacing could be a little bit better, but it's not too bad. Um, I don't know. Maybe I would like it a bit more on a rewatch, but I don't think I'm going to rush to rewatch this anytime soon. I didn't outright hate this movie. Like I, I did compare it to Wes Anderson. I don't think it's anywhere near the level of Wes Anderson. I fucking despise Wes Anderson movies. This I didn't outright really despise. I'm just not a big fan of it. It's, it's okay. I like I said I don't know if I'd ever rewatch it again. Maybe I do think the cast is good. I just wasn't a big fan of the movie as a whole.
2: I mean, I I'd, I'd have to disagree with you on the on the tone there. I I thought it was consistent It does have that quirkiness and it does have humor throughout it, but I. I thought it's a it balanced it all throughout, and it was it was keeping that from start to finish. It was having some pretty dark stuff in there while also handling it with a a nice light touch and I really liked it like i I really liked brings me there I thought it was great I knew the idea um But I didn't. I didn't consider what it might be saying. Like this is almost, in some ways, you can view this as a darkly comedic flip side of Room, uh, with him coming out into the wild, wide world and adjusting as, as a young man who's still very much a child. He's been infantilized for years. He has no sort of reference points for social behaviours and just other things that people can attach to outside. So you've got that. You've got a rare, um, genuinely, quite good natured turn from Greg Kinnear. We were just talking about him uh, a couple of weeks ago. I think it's refreshing to see uh, Kinnear and in a role like this and he's he's wonderful in this role as is Mark Hamill although his role is, is much darker. Um I like the, the lead guy Kyle Mooney in this I like the um I'm trying to think of who played the the teenage daughter. Was it Simpkins? Or is that someone else? Yeah, no. Matt, it, Matt it, Walsh was the dad, wasn't
1: yeah, it? Yeah, Ryan Sink, Ryan Simkins? I wrote, yeah. I wrote it down, but, you know, my tablet acting.
2: Yeah, I, I think that, because I, I had their names noted as the, as the standouts. Uh, I agree with you about Claire Danes playing a, a dangerously useless therapist, but it, it really it really works with with what it's saying, and, and what it's saying on the one hand is the um, it's the attachment we have to to any kind of uh, art form, but particularly TV and movies, and especially the attachment you develop over years and years towards uh, some long running series, whether you just stick it out till the end because nostalgia is keeping you going. Or whether it just keeps coming up with new content all the time. There's that. And I expected that. What I didn't expect, and maybe I'm reading a bit too much into it, but for me, it also kind of served as a, as an interesting commentary on, on how people just can't cut off their love for an art form because the people who created it do, did bad things, and and again, it's the um, it's the bad people can make good things at times, and and those <laughs> those two parts are inseparable, but also in the mind of someone who's only grown up or been attached to one thing, they they want to keep them separate because of their love for a different thing that they don't want tainted and I think this was a really fascinating and smart way to do that because it isn't hitting you over the head with it but as it got to the end of the film and there's there's a really sort of sweet strand obviously about the, the family trying to find the common ground with the son they've lost for years and uh Particularly, Matt Walsh's dad sort of struggling to have that connection. Uh, that is a main part, but I just I just couldn't stop thinking about what it was saying. And you know, if if someone has grown up with a favorite movie or song from when they were a kid, and they get older and they meet other people who say, "Well, the person who did this is a really bad person. You shouldn't like that." they can't necessarily just cut that off because of what they've gone through with it on a personal level. I just thought it was fantastic. I, I don't know if that was the main aim or if it was a, a natural side effect of the material that was, that was being used for the storyline, but I can't really... Now that I've seen it, I can't really see it any other way. Well, I can't since the it.
1: toxic people were the folks that raised him, yes, it is well, It yeah. is in
2: the text. And and yet, he also, when he shows Brigsby Bear to us, because what we should also highlight is that Br- Brigsby Bear you know, wasn't, it, it was just made for him. It, he only realizes when he comes out there's, there's no more and never will be. It was made for him, this really strange thing. And then, I think it's his... It's sort of his passion for it and uh, as you've said before they've we sort of warm to projects that are made by folk who just get the team together and get something done um, so I think other people respond to bits like that but it's really the central character putting himself there with it sort of championing it Others and then trying to get some more content out there. So I I thought it was, I thought it was great, particularly for that, which is something I didn't expect. Um, I thought it was going to be more along lines of standards, you know, fish out of water stuff. Um, So I like, I get what Tyler's saying and why he. Didn't want it as much, and I do understand that, you know, it was coming close to the sort of stuff a few hated. But I thought, I thought throughout, it kind of nailed exactly what it was going for. It needed the uh, the quirkiness and the details to to create that world, and also I think that helped, you know, sugarcoat the pill, as it were. Well, but also
1: James isn't grim dark. He didn't live through it. A- tragic kidnappings plotline that's the other people around him and since he's our our you know point of view character mm-hmm. he's never going to, to jive with that so I mean I, I get T's point but I, I don't think it would work any other way like you can't have this guy who's not you know he's, he's not oh I've been kidnapped forever because that's not how he sees it
2: no it's you're right, and again, I think that helps the whole thing be carried through because you get that moment in the it's in the store, isn't it, with his mother and that guy who's like basically, "Ah, oh, you're the kidnapped kid," and and James is sort of quite happy having that moment with someone else, and you can see his his mother's already worried about how he might end up identified. For a long time. It's, it's got, it's got a lot going on through it that it, it impressively juggles, uh, I, th- I think all at once from start to finish. And then you do get the, you know, you get the little moments that are just outright laughs punctuating things. I, one of the highlights was Greg Kinney. I just wanted another take with his performance <laughs> when he joins in with the acting. And as I say, I think part of that is it's refreshing to see uh, a career have a role where he's not being you know he's so good at being the kind of smarmy douche. And this this wasn't really that, and it was it was really nice. Everybody was really good in the cast. Um, but yeah, I loved this. It was even better than I hoped it was going to be. Okay, it's
1: time to pick one. I'm sorry, T. But it's, yeah, it's, it's Brigsby
2: Bear. It's Brigsby Bear, yeah.
0: This is one of, this is one of the weeks where I didn't really like either one of them, but I'm gonna give it to one that's a better made film than the others. Brigsby Bear is better made than Invisible Kids, so I will give it to Brigsby Bear. So, yeah.
1: Hey, Kevin Sweet, how, how shocking.
2: I thought, I thought Team has still got a line with this week on a week <laughs> from both <four> movies.
1: <laughs> it wouldn't be the first time he's done that.
2: It gave his vote to Cook County. <laughs>
1: <laughs> uh, next week, we're bringing 2022 to a close with our uh, salute to the mad high concept genius that was Albert Punian. Kevin already picked Corrupt. I'm going to make you guys watch a personal favorite of mine. I haven't seen it in a couple years, but uh, I used to watch it all the time excitedly when it played on 90s reruns of USA Up All Night. Uh, I'm making you guys watch a little movie starring the wonderful Tim Thomerson, Doll Man.
0: And I am going with a movie that I used to watch all the time as well. They used to play this on Showtime. Showtime Beyond, if they remember. It's where they played all the weird like sci-fi horror. Um, I'm going with Adrenaline Fear the Rush.
1: It's that subtitle that's just amazing.
0: Yeah, There's they, they played, the, they played that movie every morning on Showtime Beyond. I think I've watched, I must have watched that bitch 30 times, but, and it's really short too. It's only like 70 minutes. So nice.
2: You can email us at redders of podcast at gmail.com. You can find us on Facebook where, um, Tyler's been doing Wednesday posts. Yay. And we uh, put the episodes up there You can find us on Instagram Raiders underscore of underscore the underscore podcast And uh, we have a YouTube channel So like and subscribe And watch videos I try to put there once a week Then just share Love for us all over The places where you would get All podcasts Not even all podcasts, just our podcasts Just have our podcast And no other podcasts on your podcast devices. That's all we need.
1: As always, thanks for talking to me guys. Thanks for listening. I'll talk to you next week.
2: See ya.
0: See ya. I don't want to be your tiger Just play too rough I don't want to be your lion The aren't the kind that you